There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. Hello there and welcome to Monday's Post All Ireland uh, Irish Times Second Captain's Podcast. Owen, Murph and Ken are here trying to get our heads around one of the more bizarre All Irelands in recent memory. Hi guys. Hello there, Owen. Hi Ken. Owen, how are you? I'm good. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm relieved more than anything, Ken. Yeah. It was a final that was in a bit of jeopardy for yours, Trudy, at one point yesterday. Uh, As in my attendance at the final. I mean, the final would have gone ahead well, of them. Well, what happened? Well, I was, uh, I'd been away for the weekend. Right. I was driving back. Driving back into Dublin yesterday. I thought I'd give myself decent time. Well, I had given myself decent time, thankfully, to, to get back and go and get my ticket and all the rest of it. But I, I started getting this weird feeling underneath my car, this sort of shaky kind of feeling. Mm. And I was thinking, geez, I really need to sort out this road here. It's oh, pretty are, uneven, you know. Roads are a disgrace. Roads are a disgrace. And I'd slowly I'd get onto my local TV. <laughs> yeah. Slowly dawned on me that the road wasn't the problem. The problem was that one of my tires had blown out. So I drove. How long were you driving on one tire? Uh, well, not long, but long enough to completely ripped the thing to shreds apparently mm. uh, it's not not a good scene so I drove Homer Simpson out of New York style until yeah. I could safely pull in and assess the damage right. didn't have a clamp on but yeah. you, you, you get the you get the image um, and the damage looked pretty spectacular I thought well okay obviously I need to get this towed away yeah. my first reaction is clearly nothing yeah. I can do about this it's, it's the damage the, is catastrophic the damage is catastrophic the damage is done so uh, I get that sorted but then, and I'm told, you know, told the, the guy will arrive within the hour, which is fair enough. That's that's reasonable, mm. but not that reasonable when on our final day when you're mm. you're going well. Is within the hour twenty minutes, fifty six minutes? This uh, this could get, start getting a little bit hairy. Luckily, I happened to have stopped at a garage, and the garage was closed. But a lovely elderly gentleman named Paddy mm-hmm. stopped by to check in on the place. Uh, he was involved in it in some way. The SCR garage on the Davitt Road. And a, b- a big thanks to Paddy here. A big shout out mm-hmm. to, he, to Paddy. So he, he comes along and he goes, well, what's, what are you, we're kind of looking at me slightly quizzically why are you parked in this closed garage? And I was explaining, car screwed. Yeah. I'm just waiting for, yeah, the, wait, wait for the tow truck. It's a write-off. The car's right off. It's gone. I really don't know Listen, what I'm going to do. If you, get, if you offer me 250 quid for it right now, I'd grab <laughs> your hand up. So he said, what's wrong with it? And I was like, tire's blown out. Look at it. Thing's gone. Nothing I can do. And he was like, well, would you, I mean, would you have, would you have a spare tire? Would you want to just like, put your spare tire on there, just change a tire? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. So I c- sort of considered that, but 
I didn't want to admit to the man I'd never changed a tyre before yeah. and di- really didn't know how. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you, I didn't know how. If you're being how. honest. I mean, yeah. you know, there are, there are certainly parts of the job that I'm sure you're familiar with. I get the... the, the how it all I, I know the terminology, together. the jack, you yeah, know, you I know the, all these things. You get the jack out Do a bit of, of pumping up there. And yeah, the, obviously, you know, that's... The basics of it when you're in trying to do it. So uh, the next sort of 20 minutes, half an hour involves essentially me supervising a... <laughs> an elderly gentleman oh, changing my car tire while you know handing him a spanner and, and so forth but now I know I know for next time so, I have to change my tire so what happened at the uh, end of that did you awkwardly try to press 20 euros into his hand no because he kind of left <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, hell no, no. Oh, God, no. I, I tailed it out of there I still, had to, pay, quickly. I still <laughs> had to pay for my Ireland ticket again. I, I couldn't, oh, be, yeah. couldn't be throwing the money he was idiot. pretty old so I outrun him easily <laughs> yeah uh, no. the, the tow truck guy did turn up and uh, didn't have much to do at that point. He just he got his mega kind of gear to really tighten the bolts properly, mm-hmm. and that was about it. But Paddy was the hero. That okay. guy was paid to do what he was doing. Paddy from SCR Garage. And what would you call you. yourself for this? If he's a hero, and the tool job guy would, uh, he was, was just, just doing, doing his job. job. He was just a professional. Where where, where would you come in? I was the uh, embarrassing and embarrassed. Well, you need you need people like you, Owen, in order to let the the quiet heroes like Paddy show their stuff. Mm, true. You know, there ha- if if there aren't, you know, you idiot. If there, people like that. Oh, know. Paddy was quite gruff. I must say, actually, there was a little. He didn't quite call me an idiot, but there was yeah. a lot of complete uh, sort of. He was aghast at times at my complete mm. ignorance of what I was supposed to be doing. Sorry, I could across it. Yeah. No, it's just it's just uh, you. You gave him the opportunity to uh, show his. Yeah. His at race. another time, Paddy would have looked at on and said, "We fought the war for you guys." <laughs> <laughs> Which war? I'm not sure. But anyway, Murph, uh, it was pretty obvious early on that Mayo were bringing what was required. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lack of respect for the Dublin juggernaut. I think that there was a, a healthy lack of respect being shown from pretty much, well, f- from the minute the teams emerged simultaneously from the tunnel. Oh, yeah, there was a bit of flaking going on there. I think it was quite clear. I mean, I did tip Mayo at the start of the year, and I tipped them last week. And like everyone else who tipped Mayo, I couldn't really put my finger on why exactly it was that I was tipping mm-hmm. Mayo. But I do think that there is one main reason why people were saying that Mayo had a big chance in this is that they have shown in the past that they have no interest in listening to any of this talk about how brilliant Dublin are. They don't believe it. They don't really think Dublin are that great a team. And if they do think Dublin are a great team, they think that they're a slightly better team. And they've proved it enough times to just go out and just play the way they did yesterday. I mean... The, the lack of respect shown was so clear that I found myself thinking about Kerry a lot yesterday and why exactly Kerry can't have that. I mean, you if you uh, look at Mayo and look at Kerry and look at their respective footballing histories, you would think that there is one of these teams that should be laughing in the face of the Dublin winning machine. A scumbag. And it's not. <laughs> scamps, he meant scamps. Scamps, he did. Um, and it's not Mayo. Mm-hmm. You know, and I... I, I if, we were talking on Thursday about what Mayo might have learned from the semi-final against Kerry. I mean, Kerry can take a lot of learnings from what Mayo did yesterday. But Kerry put it up to Dublin this year. Kerry didn't exactly roll over and accept the the myth. In seven or, for the seven or eight minutes before halftime, Dublin looked rattled. But other than that, like the Dublin the Dublin forwards could did did what they liked with that Kerry defence. And at no stage yesterday did Dublin look like. They were settled. Looked like they were in the game and in charge of the game. I mean, it's it's quite extraordinary to think that we've all heard the stat a million times about how long it took for them to score and you know thirty minutes or whatever, thirty three minutes uh, to score, score by themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the big thing was there was no stage where Dublin had like a ten minute period where they were demonstrably the better team. 
and that's that in itself is amazing. Uh, that here we are, the thing isn't dead yet. You know. Well, I would I would say last ten minutes of the first half actually. Actually, funny when they, enough, when they, start, when they started building that lead, or that, it was that stage like of the three first minutes. Half. It was like there were three minutes where they got three points, yeah. and then another three minutes well where they got three points at the end, and that was it. But I mean, that was like you know that's you know that's maybe three that's four or five phases of play. You know, um, Mayo rattled Dublin so effectively from the start of the game that it's it's hard to imagine that. The Dublin are still standing after it all. Mike Finnerty and former Mayo footballer John Casey. Let's have a listen to them calling the Killian O'Connor equaliser. Killian O'Connor to Aidan O'Shea. The two big guns combine. O'Shea back to Killian. Killian with one swing. Killian shoots. Oh, it's gone high. It's yeah! over. Mayo shall not be moved today. Killian O'Connor with a wonderful point. Yeah, that's how the boys saw it on Midwest Radio. And we're going to have John Casey on a little bit later on this podcast because... We've alluded to the incident before the game when the teams came out together for whatever reason and Aidan O'Shea seems to be getting involved with a couple of the Dublin players, at least one substitute and uh, and, and maybe one of the starting team also. But uh, John Casey was in the tunnel before the game to see the sort of uh, see what led up to that essentially. There's some fairly tasty stuff going on by, uh, by his account, so we'll chat to him a little bit later on. Uh, Ken, your own enjoyment of the day? Well, on the uh, day began in Biddy Doyle's snug with a few pints of plain and a big plate of ham pairings. Myself, <laughs> Father Ignatius, uh, Rasher Garrity, Onions Cafferty and Black Pudding O'Toole. Uh, all the talk was of the All-Ireland and how only the father had a ticket on account of his pull-up at the club. But you know how it is in Dublin. If our doves are playing, we won't miss the day for anything. So the next thing, Rasher's takes a sly look at Father Ignatius. You can tell he's having a bright idea. He says... Look at the size of that big black coat, Father, says he. Couldn't we all hide under it and get in that way? <laughs> well, the father took a bit of talking around. We offered the stump up for the couple of pints. He says, yes, yeah, so the half dozen of us squezed in under the coat. There we were, sidling along the Clonliffe Road. And the good father looks like a tent full of elephants going up the road. But if he got any funny looks, he just says, good day to you. Just like that. Good day to you. And walks on, cool as you like. I'm jammed in there next to Onions Cafe, but Jay's I'm thinking I know what I call them onions. And they hear a familiar voice say, Good afternoon, Father, you're looking very well. And may I say that was a great mass you said earlier. Peeped out the front of the coat, and I can see it's the TD from above and drum Condra, he'd give you the heebie-jeebies <laughs> this for that. Would you oblige me in something, Father, to see in his creepiest, crawliest voice? I've been looking for a ticket, but there's a fierce shortage of them for members of the Eructus. I heard something about it on the wireless, says Father Ignatius. Indeed, and it's a disgrace, says your man. The people need me to be in there representing the area. I know you are a good club man up above in Vincent's. Would you have a spare ticket for me? <laughs> Not for all the gold in China, says Father Ignatius, <laughs> and walks on with his head held high and the coat twitching. You're not a very Christian fellow, says our man, but the father waves the cane and balls out of him. I'll Christian fellow you, he says. Sends him packing with a flea in his ear. Well, we squeeze through the turnstile and we're free in the hill, happy as bugs in a rug. Till the Mayo lads came out, pulling and shouldering into the dubs as though they owned place. The neck on these fellas. It's a fierce, educated crowd in the hill. We, we knew that wasn't proper. Goodies and bearsies, the lot of them, says Father Ignatius. I know what I'd do with them. I'd horsewhip them and string them up from the five lamps. <laughs> a few minutes later, the game starts. And of course, the poor, bewildered Mayo Egypts kept scoring goals for the dubs. Well, the wags on the hill was having a great lark. And the wit was flowing out of them like the waters of Annie Olivia. She wouldn't know who to be cheering, says Onions. Is her face in the wrong way, says Rashes. His male lads are bleeding zopes, says Black Pudding O'Toole. And the dubs, well, we had it in the bag, but of course, the guy can never get enough 
Uh, never get enough of the coin. So, so they were playing all day till Mayo got the equaliser, and of course he blows it up. The referee should be drowned in the canal, says the father, raging and tearing up his bed and sip. I look at him in a twinkle in my eye, and he says, sure, in two weeks' time we'll have another Ireland two for the price of one. Would we have it any other way? Ah. Oh. You got a round of applause in the bed there, in the, in the track. So That was a nice touch. This is the biggest news about the replay. It gives mm. it a chance for one more fair view. Our Twitter exploded last night yeah. at, oh, the, really? at the mere suggestion that there, were, that there would be another fair view. So. Your new favourite character, Murph, would it be Onions Cafferty or Black Pudding O'Toole? Black Pudding O'Toole. I like Black Pudding O'Toole. Yeah. Mention of O'Toole, actually, I actually saw Anton O'Toole in Mulligan's Bar last Dublin's night. Dublin's Fair Jewel. Yeah, I saw Dublin's Fair Jewel in, Mul- in Mulligan's Pub. Oh, I was in Mulligan. Why didn't you point him out? I didn't see him. No, well, we, we we met. I could have read him my poem. <laughs> I don't think I don't think anyone would have appreciated no. that. Joe Broly was outside Mulligans as well, Ken. Oh yeah, playing to the gallery, pantomime villain. Speaking, of, we're going to talk about uh, pantomime later on. The pantomime around Stephen Clubs and kickouts. That's a question I want to get to the boys. But uh, yeah, so Broly, I was like, what's everyone doing? Good, like this really like boozed up laughing booing sound yeah. you know the kind of what yeah, we're talking yeah, about yeah. and then I look around it's Joe Brody blowing kisses to the crowd and yeah, sure. then I don't even know it didn't even look like he was intending to, like it was like he's walking through and then stopped and started you know hanging out with mm. a few of the boys getting photos taken all the rest of it and uh, well he still seemed to be there and I left a couple of hours later <laughs> so having a grand having a grand all time okay my quirk is ready to go as is Carol Mannion I think we've learned one thing Carol from the last few days previews are completely pointless yeah completely <laughs> way off the mark for my seven ushing last week what did yeah. you go for six or seven points was it yeah yeah uh, based on what the, the form lines look like coming in try to kind of keep it to what, what we've seen and what, yeah. in the previous games but uh May obviously threw the, the script out the window. Yeah, they, they performed very, very well and nothing like they've performed this year we uh, will, so far. Yeah, just to be clear, we will still be previewing the replay on Thursday <laughs> week. So what, what I say today, it's pointless. Uh, they're pointless. It's, ah, it's still worth still, kind of still worth 20 minutes ahead still, of, ahead of an autumn just, Yeah, just still fun to see just, I suppose, how wrong you can actually be and how you can go in and say, right, all Ireland finals, got to treat it like another game. You know, here here's what we know. Here's some of the certainties that we've uh, decided upon. And then to watch a game where pretty much everything that happened was off the charts. That we, you know, that you, you couldn't have in, in a million years. I mean, can you remember an own goal scored in an All-Ireland final before? No. I can't. I can't. No. I can't. And two even even in a big minutes. game in Crow yeah. Park. I've yeah. maybe seen some down the country in provincial games or club games, but not certainly in a big game. Crow yeah. Park, no. I've seen an own point. Uh, a goalkeeper taking a kick out against an extremely stiff breeze. It's something <laughs> I, I, I saw that once. Blew I saw over his head. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you're talking about... Um, you know, just freaks, you know, freakish uh, incidents throughout the game yesterday. Yeah, and the fact that they happened to Mayo in the first half, like, that must have just brought back so many memories yeah. for supporters and everyone watching. In fairness, the players reacted pretty well to it uh, outside of those two incidents in the first half. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they still performed very well. Like, they didn't get the heads down after those, even though initially, obviously, Boyle and McLaughlin's heads were in their hands. Mayo still kept their game plan and reacted well to that and didn't kind of fall into... Uh, feeling sorry for themselves around like that they, they responded very well to both those incidents Mike if you're a Mayo player this morning are you feeling pretty emboldened by really taking apart the Dublin myth to a certain extent or are you thinking that that was our chance I don't know what they're thinking really I mean I, I still don't know what I'm thinking about it I mean I I came home last night and opened up the laptop to, to try and make a start on on the, on the piece for the examiner and I was just looking at the blank laptop for, for about a half an hour and I didn't know what to write about it. It was just, it was completely nuts and it's really difficult to try and make sense of, you know, exactly how, first of all, Mayo suffered those two kind of hammer blows in the first half and still managed to keep themselves in the game and then how Dublin found themselves three points ahead with time nearly up 
and again Mayo dug themselves out of the hole and came back and um, it's just really it's a really hard one to wrap your head around and to know who is actually feeling better coming out of it I suppose Dublin the fact that they didn't play at all and still managed to, to, to get another day out but it was one of the more bizarre ones that I've ever come across. Was it? Sorry, Carl, you want to come yeah, in? Yeah, I like, I like Mayo's position now after this game. Right. Uh, they would have gone through the year, obviously losing to Galway and kind of navigating their way through the back door, trying out their defensive system and not clicking perfectly. Uh, and they ended up in the final, whereas years before they might have ended up in the final had the draw and not gone to the way and they met some bigger teams earlier on. It happened for them yesterday. It just clicked. Uh, a lot of things went right for them. So now I think they're going to get huge confidence from it that they are going to be at a level that they are going to seriously challenge Dublin again the next day. They've shown some of the form they showed in previous seasons yesterday's game. And this is something, exactly, in previous seasons they're, they're the one team that have beaten Dublin and if not, when they haven't beaten them they've run them close and, and have probably missed one or two opportunities along the way as well. So they know that that's still there. That yeah. Dublin, Even though everyone has kind of assumed Dublin have kicked on and kicked yeah. on, Mayo are still with them. And they yeah. know that now. So there's two things I think the Mayo showed them, proved themselves yesterday that they can take on Dublin at and that's one-on-one matchups in the Dublin forward line. A lot of the Mayo defenders yeah. yesterday got the better of their matchup. And the other thing as well is the Mayo were pushing on towards the end. They came back at the end. They had the legs at the end. So that's two things that Dublin have had on a lot of teams throughout the country the last few years. Mayo were able to stymie both of them yesterday. Yeah, and Mike, yesterday was a return to a man-on-man defence that you haven't really seen a whole lot in the last couple of years. Brendan Harrison was sent out yesterday to say, right, you're on Bernard Brogan, you're not getting any help. Just go and beat him. That's it. You, you've got a job to do. That's it. And that happened not just with Harrison, but across the Dublin forward line. Mayo players weren't looking around for their sweeper to come and help them out. Just go and beat their man. I mean, I, I thought it was an exceptional de- a defensive display by Mayo. Yeah, and, and, and again, they're probably the one team in the, in the country that have that athleticism in, you know, in their back eight, I suppose, to, to, to do that and to stay with the dubs. And, um, you know, Keegan obviously and Connolly and all all their matchups just just worked out so well. And you now the conditions probably had a lot to do with it as well. In that, you know, they were so they were being so aggressive and physical with them every every time they made contact, the ball was spilling and it was going all over the place. But they just have that athleticism to be able to stay with them, where the likes of Kerry or any of the other maybe top guys don't don't have that same you know widespread running ability around their around their backline. But at the same time I thought McLaughlin, you know, still had a really, really effective game getting back there and, and being disruptive as a sweeper. Not maybe not all the time, you know, maybe it wasn't overly clear from the T V all the time, but McLaughlin still had a apart from his, his uh, nice right foot finish for his own goal, but he did have a he did have a, a good kind of destructive effect for, for Mayo in, in that sweeping role as well. Yeah, the the strength in the tackle uh, and the pace of the Mayo defence created this environment where just Dublin knew yesterday everything was going to be so hard fought for up front. Then, as Mike has alluded to, the conditions, yeah, if you're not getting your hands on ball straight away and strong then when you get the tackle, balls are going to spill on a day like they did yesterday, like they did last year in the final against Kerry. Uh, so Mayo created that environment, I think, the first half where Dublin just knew they weren't going to get anything easy uh, from the Mayo backline. The one place that Dublin did have a bit of joy was Fenton breaking from midfield. He was able to create a couple of overlaps. He created his two goal chances. One ended up in the McLaughlin own goal. And it took Mayo about maybe 20, 25 minutes to get to grips with Fenton's mobility coming from midfield. And if it wasn't for Fenton uh, and the likes of John Small uh, breaking forward and creating some of them overlaps and creating them chances and driving Dublin on, Dublin might have been might have been in trouble yesterday. That uh, the tone thing was set before the game. Uh well, we saw Aidan O'Shea and at least one Dublin player kind of flaking into each other as the teams were running out together. We're going to get to 
at the bottom of a little more of what went on in the tunnel beforehand. John Casey was there and uh, saw saw quite a lot going on, really. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But it seemed like Mayo definitely had that attitude about them, that meanness that maybe Jim McGuinness was talking about last yeah, week. Yeah, and it just seemed to unsettle Dublin. Like I think Dublin's first half performance was very out of character compared to how they played this year in the last years whether it was that uh, before the game and then it was the physicality and the hits that Mayo were bringing to the game but also just their their relentless determination that Mayo had that over Dublin yesterday in that first half and I just don't think Dublin settled in well into the game because of all of those things a combination of, a, of it all and then the big one was obviously Keegan and Conley like I think Conley really got uh, put out yesterday by the way he was approached by Keegan uh, and the physicality that he was uh, he was uh, experiencing he also then possibly maybe got a twinge in his uh, it looked like his groin when he yeah, tackled back that yeah. time I think he got a bit put off his game yesterday but because of it all uh, Did you think it was that bad though? I was, I was talking to a lot of people about this after the game and I couldn't find anyone to agree with me that I thought Connolly had a decent game I mean for a start, he set up the goal with an amazing pass, set up another goal chance for yeah. Fenton with an amazing pass, scored the point towards the end. But mostly his game was about hard work. He was dispossessing Mayo players quite frequently. He was really calm in possession a couple of times when Dublin were under a lot of pressure. And he didn't allow Keegan to become as big an attacking influence as he sometimes is. And I'm not trying to say this is like a Dermot Connolly virtuoso performance, but I, th- I thought he actually dug in in a, in a different way. Yeah, no, maybe that's what we were expecting. That's yeah, we were expecting, expecting, expecting four points the, yeah, in play and all uh, that. I yeah. just felt that uh, what he normally brings to the Dublin attack, he seemed to be out of the game offensively for a lot of long period. Uh, definitely towards the end, I did think he come onto the ball a lot and he was looking for those short little frees off to Kenny. He got his one chance, he clipped that point over. Yes, towards the end, he was excellent. I just thought for the as a 70 minute performance, it was, wasn't at the level I thought I would get O'Connolly. Mike, where are you on Connolly? Yeah, you need you need more out of him. Like I'm sure he's he's after waking up this morning and he's not happy with his performance. You know, I mean, absolutely, he was involved in some of the, you know, in some of the, <clears throat> excuse me, in some of the key kind of offensive moments for Dublin. But I mean, he's really really impressive at going past people, and he just didn't have that ability to go past Lee Keegan yesterday. He didn't have the ability to go past kind of, you know, that break that first tackle. That's what he's so impressive as he goes by guys and and then he's after the races and he's making things happen. He doesn't he didn't really go past people yesterday. Um, and I just think, you know, you look at Kevin McMenamin, the same, you know, Dean Rock, Bernard Brogan. I mean, it's if, if you actually try and compute how, in the name of God, Dublin drew that game with so many mm-hmm. guys playing so far below the level that we've seen in the last year or two years, uh, it's incredible. It's incredible. You know, people are talking about Mayo's character, and, and, and rightly so, because I thought they showed an abundance of it yesterday. But, like, if you're going to laud Mayo's character, I, I just think the character and, and the ability that Dublin showed to be so poor and yet be in the driving seat as the game ticked into the red numbers at 70 minutes, it's an incredible sign of their team that, that guys like Fenton and guys like John Small can can carry and become leaders in that kind of a group when, when you can see that all your established guys are struggling so badly. And, you know, I just thought the game was so filled of... Uh, you know, character and honesty and all those kind of words that are difficult to define in a, in a Gaelic football sense. But you could see it for, for 78 or nearly 80 minutes yesterday as the game was going on. It was just, it was complete kind of honest endeavour. And, you know, Connolly, I thought Connolly's biggest effect in the game was some of his tackling. Yeah. I thought his tackling he was absolutely yeah. just unbelievable. He's, he, he dispossessed guys cleanly without even touching the body. He was stripping ball. You know, it was just it was just such a... It was a weird game in that the scores and the quality and the so many turnovers weren't, you know, it, was, it, it wasn't what you'd expect. 
but I just thought in so many ways it was it was you know the best game of the championship for for just the endeavour and the honesty and the hard work and and the stuff that that you wouldn't normally start you know writing about and and getting too enthused about you know yeah and just to stay on Connolly and Keegan as well because it is interesting and you know there 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 is an incident the 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 incident that was highlighted on the Sunday game and all the rest of that but I think what 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 I found interesting as well is. A lot of male people were like, well, we'd have taken that, you know, Connolly's just completely out of the game and Keegan's completely out of the game. That's good for Mayo, you know. I'm just, I'm not entirely sure that that that's right either. You know, that, that Keegan is so important to Mayo. The more I, you know, like he, what he did on Connolly yesterday was so good. Like, you know, the defensive shutdown of Connolly was so good. But, you know, you're kind of, are you maybe robbing Peter to pay Paul a little bit when you do, you didn't really see Keegan on an, uh, you know uh, offensively at all. I assume Rashford just has to weigh it up. Uh, if I put another defender on Conley and allow Keegan to play his normal attacking game, what's what's that going to result in? And what's yeah. going to result in if I put Conley uh, or put Keegan on Conley? And I think that he probably has so much faith in Lee Keegan this stage to curb Dublin's best forward. Yeah. A man who can turn the game, who, as you saw with the pass in for that the, the goal, the, the, the Boyle own goal, who can kick three or four points in the space of five minutes and turn a game and pull Dublin ahead. That I just think when he weighs it up, uh, he has so much trust in Keegan, uh, and there's probably no one else to match up with Connolly as well on that Mayo, in that Mayo defence as Keegan. That's why he goes with it. The Dublin forward, who Thomas I thought had the most surprisingly quiet game was Bernard Brogan. We mentioned him there briefly, and obviously he was well defended, but. A return of two shots in goal by Brogan, one wide and one drop short, is staggering really for a player of that quality. He's done well against Mayon, done well in all Ireland finals in the past. You would have thought you'd be expecting a lot more out of someone like that. Yeah, so I think conditions is one thing. It happened last year. He didn't have a great final last year. Like he got a couple of scores right last year, but he didn't have a great final in the conditions last year. Like he had, to, he was he's very good in fairness at winning ball, and he concentrated a lot on getting that his hand and right. And getting that first contact good so that he's not uh, fumbling it or whatever. Mm. Uh, and because of that, then he allows defenders the chance you know, to get in close to him and not let him to turn. Uh, and possibly maybe just that he's moved, pushing on now as well. He might have lost that extra little step of speed that he used to have to pull away from a defender and to clip over points. I just think that maybe is gone as well. The, Mike, did you see anything? Because in the run-up to it, everybody was talking about how Mayo have to show something different tactically, whether that's building on what Kerry did to the Cluxton kick-out or whether it's something brand new. Did you see anything drastic tactically from, from Mayo or was it just a, a basic enough game plan that was well executed? I think, it, I think it kind of reverted back. I mean, obviously they used Barry Moore in, it, Barry Moore in the previous game as, as their sweeper and it just revert, reverted back one game before that to, to McLaughlin in that role. But he also he also was just pushed up the field a little bit higher as a, as more of an offensive tread and he was another guy who had a who had a lot of energy and was getting on a lot of ball in in kind of further up the field there wasn't there wasn't a huge amount you know one of the one of the interesting things i don't know if you noticed it um no maybe maybe i was wrong but i i didn't see i didn't see a ball by any ball by throwing balls to to Cluxton uh, or to Mayo keeper when they were when they were taking the kickouts. Now against Kerry, now this this is this is obviously not a tactical. This is something I don't know whether whether Mayo um, did it or whether somebody did it. But normally there's a there's a young kid and he's firing balls to Cluxton as soon as the ball is going close to the uprights and he, and he's he's got the ball in the tee and, and it's gone. Yesterday Cluxton's kickouts, a lot of the kickouts in the in the second half in particular were were put up for grabs and were fifty fifty. And and one of the things I was just looking at and I was saying why why is it so why is he so so much slower getting the ball off the tee there was no ball by throwing a ball out to him yesterday um, and it just seemed to slow him down that extra couple of clicks now I know I know Mayo were getting up the field then as well and they were making a tough run of him but uh, it's, it's been a long time since we've seen Dublin put so many balls 
uh, up for grabs in the middle of the field. And about half of those were probably won by my Mayo guys yesterday. And it, it was just a, it was a very different kind of a idea from Dublin, the way the way they've, they they tended to go so long against you know like Shane Shea and Tom Parsons, who are who are very competitive in the air and, and 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 you know they'll win their fair share, especially in those kind of conditions. Now whether the early ones kind of rattle Cluxton or something a little bit, um, but the biggest change I saw in the game tactically was that. That, that, that Cluxton tended to go a lot longer with his kickouts, and that probably helped Mayo in that second half. Well, he did struggle, Carl, didn't he, with a few of the short ones. He kicked one over the line, and that, that was just a badly executed kick. It's, it's hilarious. It's this pantomime aspect around Cluxton's kickouts now where he makes a mistake. And, uh, oh, Mayo crowd are going absolutely insane for it. But anytime he did play short ones, Mayo gave gave him the, gave him the short ball that immediately converged yeah, on, the, on the players and Dublin were struggling to get it out under those conditions yeah, and maybe had was, to bomb it long. There were some big hits going in as well on those Dublin defenders when they were picking up those short ones. Uh, I think it's a combination of things. Uh, Cluxton dictates where the kickouts go. I don't think he gets direct instructions from Jim Gavin about what to do with his kickouts. He basically tells them, do what you feel is the best. So after the Kerry game, he obviously maybe got a little bit of uh, into his head, Kerry got into his head about the way they set mm. up. He has had bad experiences with Mayo in the past. Uh, Mayo have set up well against him. And I think just yesterday, the way the game started, the fact that there was a couple of moments where, yeah, the, the short kickouts went wrong, that I think he just felt, you know, that the safe thing to do here today now, because of the greasy conditions as well, I'm going to put my defenders under a lot of pressure. The Mayo forwards are pushing up and listen. They were good at pushing up the pitch uh, as the attack was happening so that, you know, Dublin couldn't set up quickly and then get the ball out. But I think he just said, you know, the, the best thing to do yesterday was to go along and get the ball out to the middle of the pitch and uh, go to a more normal approach to kickouts. If we're complimenting Mayo so much on all of this, <laughs> what did they do, aside from the own goals, like maybe the freakish element of that, what will they be looking at this morning and uh, and analysing and saying, geez, because Rochford did make the point afterwards, look, we turned over the ball 12 or 13 times after. I think he was keen to maybe put a bit of a pin in this idea that they were absolutely amazing yesterday. Yeah, well, they got a, a great defensive performance, first of all. like Outside of Fenton creating those couple of overlaps in the first half, like you know, they just shut out Dublin brilliantly in the first half. But to be honest, like I don't know whether it was anything majorly drastic from a tactical perspective. I just think uh, that the Mayo players obviously spoke to themselves during the week or the last couple of weeks saying, we've been to, three, we've been to two finals recently, we were, we were knocking on the door for so long, we have to get a performance ourselves and win this All-Ireland for once and for all. And I just think they just reached inside themselves and just took, got it out of themselves. They got a performance out of themselves that they hadn't produced this year. Uh, they stood up to Dublin. They got the physical exchanges. They got on top of those. Uh, they set down the marker early on. You know, they were not going to be loose today. They came back from the two goals. They came back from three points down with a few minutes to go. They just weren't going to accept a loss yesterday. I know no, that's not a great explanation. We're looking for something more tactically astute. Well, just but, but they still didn't win, though. Despite all that, they still no. didn't win. Were there changes that needed to be made at, at, at any point in the second I, half, yeah, maybe? I, I thought, Mike, that uh, Rochford should have made it changes quicker. That, you know, in, the, in that time, they, they got level. And I just felt that maybe the, for the 10 minutes after that, uh, Dublin went two ahead again. It was 12-10 to Dublin. Um, I thought that at that stage, Rochford maybe could have made the changes quicker and got uh, a bit of life into the Mayo team at that stage. Yeah, like I woke up this morning and I looked at my phone and, I, and, and, and on Twitter, I, on Twitter I saw a picture of, of Aidan O'Shea in a, in a suit at some Mayo function last night in Dublin. Now, I hope I was mistaken and it was some old picture of something because the last thing that Mayo needed to be doing was going to a function celebrating mediocrity, which is really what they were yesterday. Defensively, they were they were exceptional, but up to that, like after that point, Mayo were terrible offensively. Like Aidan O'Shea gave them very little, and their use of Aidan O'Shea was questionable at best. You know, Killian O'Connor, I know he kicked that brilliant score and he got one more point from playing in the second half. 
he was he was fair. You you you'd want more. You'd want more out of him as your as your as your main guy. So I, I just think that there was a lot of I think there's it's just a game where both both teams both sets of forwards in particular are looking at it saying, "Geez, we can we can improve so much on on what we gave yesterday." Um, and like this, this, this crucial, this couple of days is so so important for for Mayo and for and you know I I don't doubt that Dublin will will do it because they've they've that kind of maybe you know that experience of 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 winning these finals. But like Mayo have to just put this thing away and put it out a bit. Like I'd be shocked if these guys were at a function last night in their suits in Dublin. I don't know if he, is that can you confirm no, the that? Mayo News uh, Sports uh, Twitter account had a couple of quotes all right from Rochford and from Kelly O'Connor at a. At a you know the, the the banquet that I presume went on. I mean, I was actually talking about this after the game yesterday. The, the Galway hurlers, I'm pretty sure, cancelled their banquet in 2012 when the when they drew that game. Now I don't think Mayo cancelled it, but I, I would say that the Mayo team maybe made an appearance at this function and then left pretty much as yeah. Well, I, yeah. I'd even have a problem with that, Murph. To be honest, you know what I mean. Like you 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 get back into your team bus and you go down you go back to you go back to Mayo and and as a group together I would have no you go out have a couple of beers just just to let a, have a little release because these guys have been building up to this for a month to three weeks, but to go to go in with supporters and listen to guys and and you know Jesus lads you were fierce and lucky that's that's the last thing in the world these fellas need to do go away lick your wounds feel sorry for yourself because you should have you should have closed it out when when Dublin were as bad and then and then. And then by Tuesday night or t- tonight, whenever they're training again, they have to be so just refocused on on the next job because, I mean, really, if they, if that's if that's kind of where they're going, oh, it's a it's a worry for them for the next two weeks. To there, be honest, yeah, you know? there, there was a story I remember after one of the hurling final replays, maybe maybe it was against Tip, I can't remember exactly, but that Kilkenny had literally just gotten straight on the bus, shut shut down mode, and gone straight home, whereas whoever they were up against were hanging around doing the interviews and. Um, well, doing their bit, and even yesterday was striking seeing the uh, post-match interviews. There were three Mayo players in the field getting interviewed for radio and TV, and no Dublin players out there. It's just a different approach. I, I don't know if, if if you'd be as critical as Mike is of Mayo players going to the banquet. To be honest, I would defer to Mike more because he's been involved at this level in all Ireland finals before. So I'm not I'm not as sure as him. To be honest, for me, it doesn't bother me that much. Uh, if they did go to that function last night and left pretty quick, then I'd be happy. I'd be fine with that. Like they obviously have to make commitments to their their supporters to the county board. Rochford obviously might feel under a bit of commitment there. They might have just gone in for half an hour. So the thing about after the game that didn't bother me. If they want to go and say a few things to the to the press, yeah, as long as they come out the next day and produce the goods, it doesn't that doesn't bother me. Surely they're going to be able to handle a bit of small talk from the supporters, Mike. No, it's not like the next thirteen days. Listen, talk to, to the press. In a bubble either. Talk to the press all day, man. I, I no problem. <laughs> yeah. Go do your interviews, whatever. But I'm talking about I'm talking about guys putting on their suits. Their 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 lovely suits that they got for their for the RTE Sunday game function and their their side here. I don't know whether they're there for half an hour, twenty minutes, but in in my opinion, they shouldn't have been there at all. If if Rochford and one or two of his management team, you know, felt obliged for the county board to go and show up, you know, that's fine. But like you don't you don't get your players going into this thing like that's. I mean, if you lose in All Ireland, these things are 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 the worst funeral you can ever have to go to in your life. If you win, it's great, and you're you're you know that's great. But if if you draw, it's even more deflating because you're nowhere. You just you don't know where you are. And uh, I just look, it's only a small thing. I'm sure it'll probably have no effect on whatever you know the, the impact of the next game. But 
just don't do it. It, it just looks better for yourself mm-hmm. as your group. Go away, lick your wounds together. You don't need to be, you know, taking pictures and doing it in a public way and, and, uh, and just get your house in order for the next two weeks. Just to kind of follow up on what Mike was saying about the Mayo forwards yesterday, that they didn't play that well. Uh, that was probably something that we saw come in. They didn't have great form coming into this game and that was probably one thing that carried through. They didn't play brilliantly up front yesterday. And the thing that I was most disappointed about was decision-making towards the end was, was terrible. Yeah. Some of the, the pass, delayed, no some of the pass, some of the shooting. Crazy, yeah. yeah, I think Keith Higgins took on a shot one yes, time. Yeah, slice like, one, yeah. Very uncharacteristic for some of those senior players in the Mayo team who you expect to make good decisions towards the end of the game so yeah that that didn't look good to go on towards the end and that's something maybe that if the game was in the balance the next day that uh, you know you'd want them to to be making better decisions Okay for this final question or two Mike Quirk you get to be Jim Gavin this morning what are you looking at changing for the replay? If, I, if I'm Jim Gavin I'm a little worried I've, I've preached about a process you know since I've been in the job and I think Dublin you know, severely deviated from their process yesterday. You know, a huge part, their fundamental building block of their process comes from Stephen Cluxton's kickouts. And and I know what you're saying that he's he's turning into, you know, this 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 pantomime character for the supporters. That as soon as he kicks a bad kickout, you know, the whole place is is cheering him. The reason that's happening is because everyone recognises how crucial he is to the entire Dublin, you know, game plan and 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 process, as Jim likes to call it or as I like to call it in this little, uh, little segment. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just think that that was, a, that was a really significant moment, I think, that, that he, that Cluxton didn't have the confidence in those guys or in himself, one or the other, to actually go beating ball out the middle of the field like he did. Like, that's not Dublin. Dublin haven't done that for the last, you know, five, six years since they've been really, really competitive at the top of the tree. And uh, I, I, would just, I would just have to go back and, and really look at that as a, as a big part of, of where things started to crack against us. In that 10 minutes after, after half time, Dublin started to go longer with their kickouts and, and, and basically Mayo ro- you know, reeled them back in within, within 12 minutes or 13 minutes or something like that. They were back level and a part of that was the kickout and, and, and that's where I'd be starting in. That's our building block. We win our possession early and then we, we go from there. But that's number one anyway. Carl, congratulations! You're Stephen Rothford. You're the man who gets to <laughs> possibly end the famine for Mayo in a couple of weeks' time. What are you, so you going to do? If, if I'm looking at what I'm thinking, Dublin are going to bring the next day uh, as Stephen Rothford. Uh, so I think Dublin are going to feel like they got out muscle yesterday, and they are not going to be happy with that sense that Mayo were able to impose their physicality uh, and shut down the Dublin mm. forwards. So I think he has to be priming Mayo for an absolute full-on war from that perspective. Uh, I think that uh, Dublin are going to come out with a serious performance the next day. But I think it's in Mayo to get to to get to another level and to match them. Uh, and it will be about the defensive uh, structure again, getting those one-on-one matchups right, uh, about bringing the same physicality, trying to unsettle the Dublin forwards. Uh, and then maybe maybe one or two chains, maybe up front. He might have to uh, get Kieran O'Connor more involved somehow, maybe bring him out, maybe out the field a little bit. Uh, he wasn't really a part of the game in the first half yesterday. You can't have him going 70 minutes without touching the ball for that, for, for like that. So uh, yeah, it's a bit, 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 a bit the same because he got it right. I think yesterday from their their attitude perspective, uh, and then making sure that they keep and Aiden as well. Yeah, you should try try and make a decision on where to play Aiden O'Shea as well. Yeah, yeah which yeah, you know getting, I think is the is, yeah. So there's the a few yeah. few switches up front, and then getting more and more physicality around the middle in defence like they did yesterday. Okay, well I look forward to the All Ireland replay preview. We'll just be a little bit more less cavalier with our predictions. <laughs> maybe. Best, Carl, Mike, thanks a million. Thanks a modern day coaching. What is it all about? Paralysis by analysis. Infiltrated by a load of spoofers and bluffers. Fellas with earpieces stuck in their ears. Psychologists, Clyde Woodward, aestheticians, dietitians, and as Mick O'Connell alluded to, God save us. I stand by my conviction, Murph, that Connolly had a decent game. Yeah. Even after going through it there, 
that's quite a lot of good stuff. What we've yeah. talked about there, including the display. He was. It's just funny that he. It's not like he's being hammered by anybody, but there just seems to be an, an acceptance that oh, he was kept quiet. But he was comfortably the best Dublin forward, admittedly against weak opposition yeah, on the day. Forward, Almost yeah, uh, yeah. starting. Sorry, starting yeah. forward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I don't think anybody else even has a sh- shout at that. The, the point at the end was worth the admission fee alone. It was a pretty good. F- are, sorry, are thanks, you on, Rashers. Are you, are you on full Rashers' voice for the rest of this show? Then <laughs> can you just give me a nod there, <laughs> yeah. like a real? No problem. <laughs> can ha- happy, happy to oblige. Dubs are in your, my dubs. Yeah, I know. It just it comes bursting out of you, Ken, doesn't it? Okay, so let's start looking a little bit more deeply into this pushing and shoving that was mentioned in the fair view there, the, the jostling before the game between Aidan O'Shea and yeah, a couple Bullen. of Dublin players. Yeah, It was preceded by some drama inside the tunnel, witnessed by former Mayo footballer John Casey, who, as we heard earlier, is working for Midwest Radio. John, great to chat to you again, first of all. Yes, indeed, guys. Thanks very much. What, uh, what did you see in the tunnel before the game? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, it certainly wasn't for the faint-hearted, I have to tell you. Um, I was just doing a piece with, with Robbie Irwin there on, on RTE, and I'm just looking at the programme events, actually, because I was told by somebody that uh, Mayo actually waited in the tunnel for up to six minutes for the, to see the Dublin players appearing, but looking at the programme events, it was actually Dublin that were meant to enter the field first right. at 2.56, apparently. Now, I was down there at exactly 3pm, so I'd say the Mayo fellas got a little bit fed up waiting in the dressing room, and uh, they decided to come out at the same time, so... Hair and skin was flying, to say the least, so I actually had to get out of the way because I nearly got bulldozed by Killian O'Connor. <laughs> come out, That's no way to treat it. a former Mayo legend, John. <laughs> well, he, well, he didn't see me. I'd say his, his eyes were firmly focused on, on Dublin jerseys, I have to say, but yeah, there was look at here. I couldn't believe it because I knew something had to have gone wrong because there was no way that, you know, with the intensity of, of what was about to unfold should the players be in a confined space at the same time, but... I think it was actually probably Dublin started the mind games. Mayo got a little bit fed up and decided, look at here, we're not taking any of this. But certainly it was. I noticed you know, Shea and Kevin McMiniman were involved and I actually completely lost my composure with Robbie Irwin because I was looking around and I was in fear of my life at one stage. But yeah, it certainly kind of, you know, it set the intent for what was about to unfold. But it was, it was, uh, it was drama of the highest order uh, long before throwing. Did you see punches thrown or was it kind I didn't of... Read more, more elbows and, and wide fellas were making themselves big and clashing into each other but it happened so fast I kind of had to back away a little bit but um, yeah there was, there was I can't say with any definite uh, uh, evidence there was punches but there certainly was a lot of body collisions and there was legs being raised and I know Kevin McMiniman I think Michael Darren McCauley and Bastic took exception to what they might have spotted Aidan O'Shea doing but and they went chasing him out the field but I was just wondering uh, whether Mayo would have had, had the balls, basically, to go down in front of the hill to warm up, but thank God they didn't. Yeah, so it, was, uh, it wasn't as though everybody was involved, but there were maybe a few players involved on each team. Yeah, exactly. A few players involved, as I mentioned there. I mean, Killian O'Connor obviously led the... Because like, the, when Stephen Cluxton appeared out of the tunnel, like I was literally only about a foot away from it. I, I, the noise of the, the support, the Dublin support drowned it out, so I kind of had to lean in a bit closer to Robbie Irwin, and that made me go in closer to the tunnel. And then I couldn't believe it when I just seen, as I mentioned, like a bull, Killian O'Connor coming out in between and Dublin collisions with Dublin and Mayo jerseys, followed closely by Aidan O'Shea. And, and then, of course, Aidan O'Shea was, was like these to a honeypot. He'll attract everybody, so a lot of the Dublin fellas went for him straight away. Do you think that this 
that Dublin were, I mean, they, they can't have not been prepared for Mayo's physicality. It was one of the points being raised in Mayo's favour all during the build-up that they're probably the one team who can match Dublin on that score. So I'd be amazed if Dublin weren't ready for it, but it certainly seemed as though Mayo had the edge in some of the physical exchanges. Uh, they had. They're a very physical team. They're on the road a long time. I mean, they're the strength and conditioning is second to none. Physically, they're in fantastic shape. And as you as you mentioned there, they had been touted as probably the only team capable of matching them physically. But they certainly did the, the wind hammer and tongs at each other. I mean, both teams are in impeccable shape. I mean, they look more like rugby players now, some of them, than Gaelic footballers. But, yeah, certainly, I mean, Dublin would have had to be prepared for that. I don't think they would have been prepared for the pushing and shoving, although, in the tunnel beforehand. What do you think about it this morning, John, about the game itself? And, and uh, are there any regrets at all that, despite a yeah. brilliant defensive display, that, 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 that Mayo aren't all Ireland champions this morning? Yeah, well, look at here. I mean, in the face of like what happened to them in the first half, I mean, Mayo were completely dominant. I mean, I was doing the, the commentary with local radio and absolutely delighted with our defensive uh, structure and the setup, and everything was working perfectly. Dublin were, you know, resorted to taking half attempts from from distance. Now I know Brian Finton did sneak in twice, and it took David Clark a couple a couple of good saves from David Clark to kind of prevent Finton getting a goal, but. You have to give massive credit to Mayo where, where defensive duties, uh, but like to cough up two own goals. I mean, was it 30 minutes before Dublin got their first score? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it was 29 or 30 yeah, minutes, enough, which is yeah. phenomenal. I mean, who would have thought before the game that Dublin, this Dublin, prolific Dublin forward line, would not have scored for 30 minutes of the first half? But I mean, you, you thought everything. Everyone was mentioning that the curse of 51 after Kevin McLaughlin, like, I mean, like just like a centre half and soccer lifted his foot, slid it into. I think that ball could have actually hit the corner flag had it had Kevin let it go. And then of course, I mean, ter- terrible luck on, on Colin Boyle's part. I mean, chasing in Dean Rock, Dean Rock mishandled and Boyle's momentum ended up driving the ball into the back of the net. So, I mean, you couldn't make that up, and you th- you just thought Mayo completely dominant for for 30 minutes, and we're going in five points down. Unbelievable stuff, but. What happened in the second half was the stuff of Roy of the Rovers type of stuff and our fellas really, you know, ground out a brilliant, brilliant draw. John, you've played in a, a drawn All-Ireland final and you've played in a replay and uh, without uh, necessarily uh, going over the coals of that particularly uh, that particular uh, gaping wound in the Mayo psyche, I mean, what what did you, what can you remember of the, the time in between the drawn game and the replay? What lessons do you think can be learned uh, for Mayo just to try and maybe put to one side what's happened in the first game and see it as, you know, Rochford was talking about it as kind of as half-time in the All-Ireland final after the game yesterday. Really, it's not half-time. It's, a, it's actually a completely new set of circumstances again that Mayo have to try and prepare for. Absolutely. I mean, these games, I mean, in the white heat of battle, they take a life of their own, really, and it's very difficult to plan for what's about to... I suppose I just had a message there from, from Tom Parsons, my own club mate, um, to say that they were about an hour or two ago they were heading for their... their uh, their, their, their swimming pool just to get the bodies back in track again but um, the rehabilitation so to speak but I suppose it's about getting any niggles cleared up is the big thing I mean um, preparing for it is it, they're going to prepare for it exactly as they did the, the, the drawn game but um, it's about like I mean Alan Dillon took a dirty smack and I'd say in a shin he collided with Keane O'Sullivan there at one stage and it's about trying to get the bodies right but there'll be very very little work done this week and next week it'll all be about planning again but um, everybody is saying it's a missed chance by Mayo look at here but 72 minutes gone yesterday I'd have gladly taken a draw John, the, I don't know, did the players go to the post-match function afterwards? We were talking to Mike Quirk about this and he th- thought they might have gone, which he felt 
was yeah. a mistake. Did they, did I, they uh, I don't know if they did go or not, to be honest. I had to come down myself last night from Dublin, so I didn't stay. But I, I, I certainly um, had been, have been at a, a drone uh, All-Ireland function, and it is like a wake, so to speak. I mean, the players are just bundled into one corner. You have to get your, your, your formalities out of the way. You get your meal. I, I, I'm not sure it was a man of the match award handed out at that function in back in 96. I think Lee McHale got it. And that had to be done, but generally it, w- it was it was like being at a wake. And as players, we just couldn't wait to get out of there. So unfortunate, I suppose, for the hundreds of supporters that forked out big money to go and meet and greet the players. Your prediction then for the replay? Yeah, it's going to be very difficult for our fellows. I mean, this is the big question. Everyone is saying Dublin can't be as bad again. Well, maybe Dublin can be as bad again if Mayo bring that defensive game with them. It's going to be very difficult. I just hope, little bit of lady luck, don't concede any own goals, sneak a two-point win. John Casey, listen, we're looking forward to the replay. Thanks a million, great to talk. Cheers, guys, thanks very much. See if you don't get this out with Motherwell, you're away, mate. Your bags and your desk, boom. Your bags and your desk, boom. I mean it, I'm fucking raging, speaking from my heart. Who would I want in? I've got big Terry Boots here in. Mr. Tate, how you doing? Not too good after tonight. You got a job on the technicality of a legend who recommended you. Pick no beep, pick no beep, pick no, pick no, pick no beep. Just what's up, don't try to get so deep. You know me, but I can't yell me, I can't yell me, I can't yell me, I can't yell, can't yell, can't yell me. You have lost the fans tonight, you don't deserve the fans. Listen to fans, just need to fucking work on it. You are nothing, you are a fool, and you are a waste of time. Good night. Oh, the Guinness Book of Records stop. Get a grab! He's your biggest fool. Yeah, so it sounds like uh, just to go back to the pre-match stuff, Murph, pretty, pretty hairy in there. Why is it? This happened with Cork and Clare uh, ten years ago with the hurlers. Yeah, uh, it was ten years. It was two thousand seven, I think. And I remember thinking at the time, and it's a, it's a question I'm going to ask now, Murph. Why is it that top-level sports people, such as these great Gaelic footballers mm. of ours, can't go out onto the pitch at the same time without tearing into each other and ripping each other's heads off? Yeah, it's weird. Well, I think. Uh, I think they probably could if it was done all the time. But then all of a sudden you're running out there and you don't expect to see the other team. So the first thing you do is barrel into yeah. one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Well, like, it, it, is, a, it is a pretty strange... Uh, it is a pretty strange uh, strange scene, you know? Mm. But I mean, maybe the introduction of 11 or 15 tiny children to act as mascots. Maybe that could have some sort of normalising effect on, uh, on the GA teams. Maybe that might... Uh, well, that particular revolution. You've made a couple of calls on this Mayo post-match function. Yeah. Uh, so the Mayo players were there. They they came down at around 10pm. Uh, this was in the City West, their uh, uh, post-match function banquet, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they came down from the rooms around 10 o'clock and stayed till kind of half 12, maybe 1 o'clock. But it was all the players, all the backroom team. Um, and it was basically the Mayo County Board had sold tickets for... I think eighty euro to like fifteen hundred people, and all of the money was kind of going back to the training fund. Apparently, the players' training fund. So I suppose in a situation like that, first of all, it's a bit of a logistical nightmare to cancel something of that size, and also there's something in it for the players as well to do it. And then you know, like it's a huge money spinner, obviously. So they did it. You know, I don't know from who I was talking to in Mayo. It seemed like there were. There's a sizable contingent of that crowd that had kind of flown in from overseas yeah. and booked the banquet. That's kind of part of the whole deal. So I don't know. Maybe, you know, you can make the argument, maybe from a sporting perspective, a purely sporting perspective, the best thing for Mayo to have done was to have hopped in the bus. Well, Mike definitely thinks so. Yeah. 
Gola, and Gola did do it. I was talking to a couple of people. It, it does seem as if Gola, that was what Gola did in 2012. I, I don't know. It, 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 it do is, the supporters not just have to suck it up? It's not, nobody wants a draw. It discommodes people for various reasons. And you, equally, if you, the reason that you're all home is to cheer on this team who you want to yeah. win in All-Ireland. And I don't know how much of an impact it has. Mike's the only one of us has actually played in All-Ireland finals. And he reckons the last thing you need to be doing is to hang around doing the small talk on the night. I don't know how, how much of an issue it is, but that's, that's yeah. his thought. On Dublin, Dublin had uh, a much smaller affair planned. Uh, and they cancel that, so they go back to the uh, to the Gibson Hotel. I, it is the Gibson. Uh, yes, it's Gibson. And they go back after every game, have a meal in the championship, you know, have mm. a few drinks. That's what they want to do uh, with sort of friends and family. And this banquet was a bigger version of that, so they had plenty of tickets to give out to all of their friends, all of their family, uh, which they cancelled. So I mean, uh, you know, it's it is it's a bit it's it's a bit of a vex. I, to be honest, I don't think it's a major deal. Um, and I mean, you know, it's it's not like these guys are going to be shielded from whatever hype is happening over the next 13 days. I mean, the guys got to live and they're all probably frantically trying to rearrange the week off that they had taken this week to work this week so that they could take the week off the first week in October off. So, I mean, they're not going to be hidden away for the next two weeks anyway. So, Ken, please sell the Irish Times Second Athens Football Podcast for us. That's... Yeah... <laughs> They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I'd like to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to your face, not say it to you now. I'm down to Anfield and we'll see them up. What you doing down here, you shawny man? When we talked about some diverging fortunes, We've got a, a genius who's being hailed around the world for revolutionising uh, the global game, and then Jose Mourinho hmm. uh, on the other side. So we talked a little bit about them. We talked also to Jonathan Lou, who uh, was there to see Stoke be destroyed by Crystal Palace. This is happening a lot to Stoke recently. Uh, and Raphael Honigstein, um, who was talking to us about why so many people in Germany find the idea of Orbi Leipzig, Red Bull Leipzig, so obnoxious. <laughs> All right, thanks, Ken. Thanks, Murph. Thank you, Owen. Thank you, Ken. Thanks for listening. Sure. Hope you enjoyed today. And thanks, Rashers. We're looking forward to the replay. Take care. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those, those, those boys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 